Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takes by fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big, oh, Monday. Woof, we got a potential, um... Series ending game on tonight's folks, Suns, Clippers. Can the Suns close out? Yeah, yeah, they probably will. So we're going to be breaking down that game and doing our moneymaker for that action. We're going to be breaking down uh, the Saturday Suns-Clippers game because we weren't uh, we weren't live yesterday, unfortunately. And then we're also got to break down the game that just happened last night, Hawks-Bucks. And man, oh man, the Bucks two straight, stealing one in Atlanta in the rough, injuring Trey Young. And nobody wants to talk about it? So we'll break down that game, tell you where it went wrong, and see if we kind of waver in our pick, folks. We initially had it, Bucks winning the entire thing, and then we saw game one, instead Hawks in four, and now they lost the last two. Are we going to waver again, folks? Will we waver again? I don't think so, but we'll talk all that through today. We're also going to be looking at the NFC Championship game, Packers-Seahawks 2014. Another time Aaron Rodgers doesn't get it done in the NFC Championship game? Potentially, folks. I mean, we see it time and time again by the man. So we'll break down that game, uh, assign a credit value to that loss to see if he looked good and just a defense maybe sucked. But we'll see what we get there. So we'll judge him and uh, break down the stats and watch some film of that 2014 NFC Championship game. So we got that all today on the show and and a little bonus today. So uh, we're going to be opening some cards today on the show. We got the Panini Prisms NBA Blockchain NFT cards, folks. These are brand new. They just came out today very hard to get i barely got them i'm lucky enough to get them so we're gonna open a couple about a couple of packs gonna save most of them gonna open a couple today on the show to see what we get nba cards uh so we'll kind of talk about that a little bit more when we get to that but you know a little a uh, little bonus today i'm loving it all right so let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day in the first one uh man oh man a a retiring great superstar in this league uh, i'm calling him a superstar i don't care what y'all call him he's a superstar in my opinion but demarius thomas wide receiver has announced his retirement from the nfl he didn't play last season and uh, in 2019 he played for the jets so he's kind of been re- he's kind of been retired for the last two seasons unfortunately but he does make it official here and he will be retiring as a member of the denver broncos which of course he is you, you got to you got to so an absolutely great wide receiver out here. Uh, we can go over his stats. I mean, broke 1,000 yards for five straight seasons, folks. 2012, 1,400. 2013, 1,400 yards again. 2014, 1,600 yards. Oh, my God. Fantastic. With 11 touchdowns. And then 2015, 1,300 yards. And then 2016, 1,000 yards. And then 2017, just short to keep that 1,000-yard streak alive with 949 yards. But this man was an elite wide receiver, folks. In his prime and like we said I mean it's hard to maintain your great status folks it truly is and he had about you know uh, what do we got uh, one two three four five five straight thousand yard seasons and that was kind of his prime and it was absolutely fantastic folks 
He won a Super Bowl in that time with Peyton Manning. He won playoff games, obviously. And the man was just a true beast of a wide receiver at 6'3". Fantastic. Go up and get the ball and score the touchdowns like he did. I mean, folks, these stats are absolutely incredible in his prime. And then after the Denver Broncos years at 2018, that's really when he kind of started to fall down. He, he played for the Denver Broncos for eight games and then got traded to Houston. Never really worked there. And then in 2019, like we said, went to the Jets. And, I mean, uh, that's Adam Gase Jets. What are we doing? You're losing. You're, you will be losing there. So he only put up 433 yards in his final season, and it's a little unfortunate that his season had to come to a crashing halt like that and couldn't kind of ride off into the sunset on top like Ray Lewis or Peyton Manning. So an absolutely great career, and I want to kind of bring up the age a little bit. He is 33, retiring. Once again, Julio Jones, we, we think he's going to work, but, you know, let's all not be surprised if he doesn't because wide receiver's age, I mean, we talked about it. We went through the uh, the Hall of Fame list right there, and it's really kind of 50-50 of great elite wide receivers really making it past 34, 35, and that's where Julio Jones is right now. So we'll definitely keep an eye on Julio Jones, but there are two people – two people that must be praising this man, kissing the ground that this man walks on and thanking them. They, they better be sending thank you cards, congratulations cards on this retirement. They better be sending them a lot of money. I'm talking millions and do uh, millions of dollars. I'm talking about half of whatever you earned in this league. You better send it to Marius Thomas as a retirement gift. The first one is Peyton Manning because he won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos and this was noodle arm Peyton Manning, folks. In 2015, Peyton Manning's last year, the Denver Broncos, they go and win the uh, Super Bowl against the Carolina Panthers and uh, Cam Newton, the MVP Cam Newton. Um, but 2015, I mean, this man put up 1,300 yards in six touchdowns and only had a 59% catch percentage because Peyton Noodle Arm Manning at the end of his career was not getting it done. So uh, Demarius Thomas made this man work um, kind of at the end there. And I mean, when we look at Demarius Thomas's catch percentage, 59 is very low, folks. In his prime, 65, 64, 60, 62. Rarely ever under 50 or 60% there. The only reason why the first two years, trash, you had like Trevor Simeon. I mean, what, what are we doing there? And we're going to talk about the 2012 year in a second, but I don't want to ruin it. And then, yeah, so just Peyton Manning, you better you better thank Demarius Thomas because that man got it done for you in, in the Super Bowl, in the playoffs, in that entire season. 1,300 yards, six touchdowns, and was just... Just trying to catch every kind of duck you were thrown to this man. So Peyton Manning, you better respect Demarius Thomas and you better be giving him a big old retirement gift. He sent you off on top, man. He sent you off into the sunset. He had you have a two Super Bowl uh, a win and one with uh, one with two teams. Fantastic. The other quarterback that needs to literally give everything, everything that this man has earned, you better give to Demarius Thomas. So we got Peyton Manning, and then the second one is Tim Tebow. Of course Demarius Thomas. Of course Demarius Thomas would be the one person that Tim Tebow kind of relates back to here because we get the 2012 playoffs against the Steelers in the wild card round in overtime. The only playoff game that Tim Tebow was even competing competitive in because he ended up getting blown out the very next week to uh, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. 
So he hits Demarius Thomas just over the middle here. 80 yards for the touchdown in overtime. We see this play here. The defense is pressing up. They kind of bite on the little bit. They think it's going to be a run because why would you assume you're going to trust Tim Tebow in this kind of situation here? And Demarius Thomas is just able to kind of find some space over the middle, 15 yards down the field. And then the speed carries them the last kind of 60, 70 yards there. So Tim Tebow, you better literally give everything you've ever earned in the NFL and you give it to Demarius Thomas because he's the only reason why you are relevant, man. Literally, the only reason why Tim Tebow is relevant is because of this play in overtime right here. So... If this doesn't happen, he's never won a playoff game. He's never even thought of about coming back. And look at this man, Tebowing on the ground. You better you better get off your knees and stop praising Jesus and go actually praise the man that got it done, Demarius Thomas. You better be running down into this end zone right here. But he just wants to kind of stay put and, uh, you know, praise the ground and Tebow do his signature. It's Demarius Thomas. He literally did it all right there. Stop disrespecting Demarius Thomas. You better go and slurp that man big time over there. So... Peyton Manning, Tim Tebow, literally, er, literally give everything, everything to Demarius Thomas because he kind of made y'all a career a little bit. Even though Tim Tebow's trash, he kind of elevated that trash to being able to try to be back in this league nine years later. No. So Demarius Thomas, a great one in this league, a little kind of um, undervalued in my opinion, a little kind of disrespected, just a tad. Not a, not a, not big, but you know, in his prime, the man was fantastic. We see the yards right here, 1,600 yards, his best catching season, and you got to give him credit for that. So, um, enjoy it, Demarius Thomas. Truly deserved, um, and he's going to retire as a Denver Bronco, as he should, coming home. So, uh, that's going to be great, and uh, you know, a great career there, and we respect it. We loved watching you play. Unfortunately, it does did come to an end. We would have loved to see you keep going, but unfortunately, it's just not in his card. So, Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl champion, and hey, got the yards, got the accolades. What more do you need, right? So, congratulations to Demarius Thomas on the retirement, and he made some careers out of there too, folks. He made some, he made some of these players' careers out there. Love it. All right, let's keep moving on here. We get the story here, and I do agree, but uh, we have to go into the article just to kind of see how much how much respect we have to really give this man. So Alex Smith believes Aaron Rodgers is due, quote, a certain level of respect beyond the average player. And yes, we totally agree with that 100%. Aaron Rodgers deserves a lot more credit than just kind of normal quarterbacks in this league, an average player in this league, 1,000%. This man, if we take accolades out of the game, winning out of the game, this man is the best quarterback of all time. You can make the argument, and I probably would not disagree with y'all. This man is one of the best purest passers out there the one knock on him he doesn't really take the chances he always throws the ball the way he doesn't want to commit the interceptions he doesn't really try to make the tight throws because he wants the completion percentage up and the turnovers down so that's the one knock on him he doesn't always go for it but just the way that this man throws the ball, I mean, we see it. I mean, we, we've been re-watching this man, his playoff runs, and mo I mean, he should literally be having 75 to 80% completion percentage in every single one of those playoff games just because the wide receivers are just dropping these beautiful passes by this man. So, yes, Aaron Rodgers does deserve a lot more respect than the average player, but not as much as he thinks, not as much as Aaron Rodgers thinks that he deserves for that because he's calling out his own team, he's not showing up to the mandatory minicamps, he's placing 
placing all the blame on everybody else and, and, and it's never him he never takes responsibility for anything that happens in the game and like we said this man's god complex this, this man knows he's kind of you know in the category of greatest of all time and he tries to you know make everybody else say that and when you don't say that he's you know he's bummed out and then he goes on jeopardy and insults you so yes i do agree with alex smith here but let's see how much alex smith thinks aaron Rodgers deserves credit wise and we'll see if we agree uh but this man can't have the big head and once again this is just going to feed into aaron Rodgers' ego and that's never a good thing out here because we see what happens but let's just see how much exact credit Alex Smith is trying to put on Aaron Rodgers. So, Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers are forever linked as first-round picks in the 2005 NFL Draft. Smith, who recently retired after 16 years of playing for three franchises, defended his draft mate in a squabble with the Green Bay Packers during an interview with Jory Epstein of USA Today Sports. Quote, clearly it's not an ideal situation and not what it should be. I think he's due a certain level of communication and a certain level of respect beyond the average player. And I don't think that's asking a whole lot just to communicate. Alrighty. Now, is it on Aaron Rodgers' side communicating or is it the front office? Because I think it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's everything we've been hearing has been like, hey, uh, hey, we, we told Aaron Rodgers we're going to draft his replacement. He kind of said he was cool with it. We told him his plans. We told him. This is like all of what Matt LaFleur and the Packers were saying. We told him we were going to draft his replacement, Jordan Love. But we also said we're not going to play him for about... We're, we're going to keep you basically until you stop winning or you're done. And we know you keep winning. So you don't even have to worry about that. This is not – well, it's kind of the Brett Favre situation. But we're going to let you go until it's done. But we are draft, We are going to get ready for that process. And Aaron Rodgers kind of said, cool, no. He was like, I'm going to take him under his wing. We've been hearing that. As soon as Jordan Love got drafted, everything that – everything that – um. Aaron Rodgers said was, oh, I'm going to take this man under my wing. I don't want it to kind of be the same thing between me and Brett Favre because Brett Favre wasn't even talking to me. I, I want this to be different this time just because I've been in that situation before. And then that lasted one year, one off season, and that was it. And now he's, once again, not at the mandatory OTAs, not even talking to Jordan Love. So where is the lack of communication? Because I truly think it's more with Aaron Rodgers than it is the front office. So, you know, Alex Smith, I think he may be a little wrong here just a little bit but back to the quotes clearly that didn't happen over the last couple of years but I think it did I think there was communication there I just think Aaron Rodgers didn't like the communication he didn't like what he was hearing and this is a business this is a sport this is a franchise this is a team game it can't all be about you Aaron it can't just be all about you it's never all about you even Tom Brady it was never all about Tom Brady Bill Belichick was like all right this man can handle the offense by himself so we're gonna beef up the defense and not give you that much help because we're going to spend the money other ways because you don't need it. You've proven you don't need the help. That's what makes you great. You don't need the help. Yes, obviously help at the wide receiver position is going to make you even better, but we're, we, we got a salary cap. We can't be paying everybody over here. You want to get paid and you, you, you're taking pay cuts like a great quarterback does, a great leader does, Tom Brady. And we, we're just going to beef up the defense because you're not on defense. So we have to get somebody like you on defense to carry the defense, and then we're golden. That's why the Patriots won seven Super Bowl or six Super Bowls, folks, in a 20-year span. Absolutely fantastic. 
So Aaron Rodgers takes that as a sign of disrespect and not communicating, oh, they're just going to build up the defense. Oh, I'm going to get no help, even though he has plenty of help, folks. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Robert Tanyan. I mean, folks, during that during that playoff run, during those all those great years, he had Jordy Nelson and Donald Driver, and I'm blanking on some names, but some other great names over there in Green Bay. I'm truly blanking. There was another one. Uh, Jordy Nelson. He had Devontae Adams, rookie year. We're, we're watching it, folks. 2014, rookie rookie year for Devontae Adams. So he's had him for a while, and he still hasn't been able to get back to the Super Bowl. So I don't want to hear about all about this help. You don't need the help. You're supposed to be the greatest quarterback of all time. You don't need help like that. You give help to Ryan Tannehill. That's why he's got A.J. Brown and freaking. That's why they traded for Julio Jones, because he needs the help. Yes, Ryan Tannehill is solid, but he's nowhere near Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. He needs the wide receiver help. He's not 100% accurate in placement of where the ball needs to be on every single play. Aaron Rodgers is. So... I, I think this is just a little out of whack, and I would love to hear, you know, whenever Aaron Rodgers gets criticism, he shuts down, and whenever he hears something he doesn't like, he shuts down. So I really think the lack of communication is between Aaron Rodgers and really not the coaching staff in the front office. I think they've been up front, up front with him the entire time. Aaron Rodgers just doesn't like what he's hearing. Uh, let's see what we get here of uh, uh, any more quotes here by Alex Smith. Smith believes that Rodgers' sterling play for more than a decade should count for more commitment from the organization quote here's a guy who's given 16 years to an organization he's been through a lot of changes there as well he's coming off maybe one of the greatest quarterback seasons ever but he still couldn't take advantage of three Tom Brady interceptions in the NFC championship game unfortunate um, he's coming off maybe one of the greatest quarterback seasons ever, still playing at an incredibly high level. You rewind to a year ago, and all the talk was, is Aaron Don? Is he on the decline? Yada, yada, yada. He played right through that. Tom Brady did the same thing. Tom Brady's been doing this. We've been talking about, is Tom Brady done for the last seven years, folks? He still won. One, not playoff deep run, one championships, folks. This is why we can't give Aaron Rodgers a free pass because we saw what Tom Brady did. Tom Brady has dealt with every single thing that Aaron Rodgers has dealt with, folks. He has. He wasn't a first overall pick. He wasn't a first round pick. He was a seventh round pick. And he still was able to lead the team. And he was disrespected by Bill Belichick in that uh, Patriots organization by not giving him help. He had Randy Moss for one year. And we saw what he did, but they never got him help uh, any other time after that because he didn't need it. They're like, oh, we get you help, and it gets us 16-0 to the Super Bowl, but we don't win the game. So we're not going to do that again. If it's not going to win the championship, why are we going to do that? Okay, we went 16-0 in the regular season. Yeah, great accolade. Doesn't mean a thing if it ain't got the ring. Correct? So it's just like it's just Aaron Rodgers, man. If he if he was winning, then yes, he's right, and we can forgive everything else. But he's not winning. You don't need a one tier one receivers to win every year. Yes, it helps, but you also need the other facet of the game, the kind of other fifty percent of the game, the defense. And that's what the Packers have been doing. Their last two drafts, their last two drafts, every single pick besides Jordan Love was a defensive player. Got to get the defense right. You've got help, folks. I don't understand why you need more help on offense. If you give Tom Brady this roster, that's Super Bowl every single year. A great running game, an A1 tier 1 wide receiver, a great tight end. They're winning every year, folks. 
So I don't get I don't get why everybody always I get why you get behind Aaron Rodgers and want to defend him and back him up because he's such a great quarterback. But when he doesn't win and then his attitude kind of drive drives wedges between him and everybody else, it's not worth it at some point. And so at some point you just gotta put it on Aaron Rodgers for not getting it done. But let's keep it up here with this quote. Uh, you rewind to a year ago, and all the talk was, is Aaron Don, is he on the decline, yada, yada, yada. He played right through that. They've been on the doorstep of the Super Bowl the last couple years, so I think it's hard. Yes, they were right on the doorstep, but whose fault is it not busting down the, th busting down the door? Aaron Rodgers! He, Tom Brady threw three interceptions. The defense got it done, folks. Once again, the plan, the thought process of Matt LaFleur beefing up the defense, it got it done, but it was Aaron Rodgers who was only able to commit seven points to three turnovers. The other two drives were three and outs. Not getting it done in the red zone. Having three downs. And when Matt LaFleur wanted to, decided to kick the field goal, I don't blame him. I don't blame him because my defense forced three turnovers while Aaron Rodgers is floundering inside the 10. I'm not going to trust that. I'm going to play my defense who got me the turnovers to shut it down. Unfortunately, they didn't. Unfortunate. But I'm going to ride with that because it worked that game. Because they got it done that game. Aaron Rodgers wasn't getting it done that game. So I just don't agree. I don't agree 100%. I agree a little. I agree with Alex Smith on the basis, the premises of this. Yeah, he deserves a lot more respect and credit than the average player. I agree 100% with that, but not 100% of the reasoning. I agree with, you know, 20%. That's really it. One last quote here. The way people have been treated... He's come out and said as much, so I still think that's important in any, in any business, not in just football, but in any business, and especially team sport. It is important how you treat people. Oh, dude, 100%. It's all about how you treat people. It's all about the language that you give off as well. I'm 100% behind that as well. Treat people with respect, or they're going to shut down, folks. If, you're, if I'm on a team sport and you're calling me out like um, disrespectfully and not kind of encouraging and trying to get the best out of me, if you're just like if you are truly trying to clown me and disrespect me as a teammate, as a coach, I'm going to clam down. Oh, okay. If y'all think you can do it without me, then go ahead and do it without me. I'm not here to praise y'all. I'm here to win and I'm trying my best. And yeah, maybe I'm in a mistake here and there, but you're not going to disrespect me like that and try to clown me and call me out in front of everybody. I'm, I'm not going to play that game. And I truly, you got to treat people with respect, folks. Even if they are trash, you can't call somebody trash to their face, folks. That's going to make them get worse just inside. So Truly, it is all how about you talk about people, but what is Aaron Rodgers doing? Going on Jeopardy, calling out his entire team, making a laugh out of it, making a joke out of it. Yeah, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny if it's coming from your own teammate. It's funny if it's coming from Stephen A. Smith or me here at Takes by Fans. That's when it's funny. It's not funny when you're face of the franchise guy, the, the guy that everybody bows down to night in, night, day in, day out, all of that. It's not funny when it comes from that side. It may be funny the first time. Maybe, maybe the first time it could be funny. But the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, I mean, you're just beating a dead horse. And then it's just like, all right, man. Okay, okay, truly okay. Yes, we've heard you. All right, then do it by yourself, Aaron. Do it on a different team. If you're not going to be here, fine. Don't be here. We're not going to bow down and cow cowtail down to you we're not gonna do that move on at some point it's done it's over get better try to get better with us or don't come 
What else do you got to say here? Here we go. In support how you treat people. Really, I think it has been ideal. It has. Let's get back. Really, I think it hasn't been ideal there. Hopefully, they can get it figured out. What do they need to get figured out, though? What? More communication? Because that's on Aaron Rodgers' end. More getting it done on the field? Once again, that's on Aaron Rodgers' end. The defense was getting it done. The running game was getting it done. The wide receivers were getting it done. Aaron Rodgers not getting it done in the big game. So what needs to change? What? Aaron Rodgers? That's it. The play calling has been pretty great. So... I get it, man. Aaron Rodgers is a great passer. I'm not denying that. He's fantastic. But his ego, his attitude, his not-clutchness, his blameability on everybody else except himself time again, I think it's enough. I think it's done. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm truly over Aaron Rodgers, folks. Yes, he deserves a certain level of respect beyond the average player. But not as much as this man thinks he deserves or not as much that every one of his fans on Twitter goes and cries out that he deserves. He doesn't. He doesn't get it done. I don't know what you all want for me. I want a winner. That's Tom Brady. Tom Brady went through every single thing Aaron Rodgers has went through and was still winning. So the fact that Aaron Rodgers can't do that, what am I going to say? I can see somebody that has won while going through all this. So I'm going to say he's the greatest of all time and see what he was doing through these processes. He's never calling out Bill Belichick. He went on the barbershop and called out a team anonymously still. He's not putting any name to this. Aaron Rodgers puts names to everything, folks. And you haven't won as much or nearly as much, folks. We're talking about 10 trips to the Super Bowl compared to one. That's a drag. I, 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 oh, folks, 10. 10 Super Bowls because of your play alone. And Aaron Rodgers has got to one. What are we supposed to do here, folks? I think it's time that Aaron Rodgers has to look in the mirror. So, yes, he deserves a certain level of respect to be on the average player. Not this much. Not even as close as the amount of respect that you give Tom Brady. Not even Folks, it's not even close. Ten Super Bowls. That's all I need to say. Ten Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers, if he even got the three, if he even got the four, that's fine. You didn't even have to win those. But get more than one, folks. Everybody's been to more than one. Come on, Patrick Mahomes has already been to two. Russell Wilson has already been to two. Ben Roethlisberger's been to three? Did he lose one? Peyton Manning went out on top with a new team. Eli Manning beat Tom Brady twice. Twice. Aaron Rodgers can't even beat Tom Brady in his own division the first time that that's happened. So what are we doing, folks? Can we please just, I get he's great. His stats are great. I get it, folks. I love it. I love looking at this man's stats. They're great. I compare everybody's stats to what this man has done. This is the bar. But in terms of winning, I got to have that too. And that's what he doesn't have. So I can't get behind it. Oh, man. Everybody defends Aaron Rodgers, folks. I don't get it. I don't get why everybody goes to defend this man. It's on him too. Let's keep going here. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Washington wide receiver. This is how you get it done, folks. This is how we get it done. Let's go through this. Here we go. Washington wide receiver Terry McLaurin on Alex Smith and Ron Rivera. Quote, they never had a feel sorry for me moment. And that's fantastic. We had Ron Rivera battling mother loving cancer all season. And it was business as usual. Hey, 
I'm here. Let's go get it done. While also turning around the entire culture of the Washington football team, folks. We we heard all about the stories of the, you know, the sexual assault allegations in the upper office, in the front office, and all that. And this man took it on while battling cancer and turned this team around and won the division year one. Give him some respect. And then we have Alex Smith. Who came back from that brutal, devastating leg injury? Who, who, who he was out for what? Two? Was it three? Two years at least? He was out two full years. That's a gruesome injury. Two straight years of rehabilitating just to be able to walk. How crazy! And the man came in and won games. I didn't love his play, but it resulted in some wins. So I give the man absolute credit. He went five and one, folks. Five and one as a starter. So, this is how you get it done. Don't feel sorry for me. Hey, yes, shit's happened to me. I'm going to go get it done on the field. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that same approach once again. Oh, they drafted my replacement. Oh, I'm going to flounder in the NFC Championship game. Ron Rivera, the man's on uh, taking dialysis and all that every week. Cancer treatment, chemo treatment. I think dialysis. I think I had that wrong with another uh, kind of medical injury. But the man was going through chemo every single week there. Still showing up. Still coaching his butt off out there. Fantastic. Winning. 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 Challenge Tom Brady. A little bit better than what Aaron Rodgers did during that game, honestly. So, love this. Love that, you know, this, you know, don't feel sorry for me. I'm going to go get it done. All right. I, 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 okay, a little cancer? A little bit of cancer going to stop old Ron Rivera? No. No, I'm stronger than that. I've been in the military. I've seen some shit, folks. I went through some shit. Is a little cancer in my body? No, no, no. And then on top of that, I'm going to win the mother-loving division. So absolutely fantastic. But let's see what Terry McLaurin's truly saying out here because this one, the, 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 uh, the clickbait headline got me. I'm all about it. I want to read this article now. So here we go. Coach Ron Rivera spent the bulk of the year battling cancer. Quarterback Alex Smith, who guided Washington to a 5-1 record in his starts, returned from a career in limb-threatening, limb-threatening, folks. This is not, forget sports, forget competition, forget all that. We're talking limb-threatening. You may not have a limb for the rest of your life. Doesn't matter what limb it is, a limb is a limb, folks. You trying to have a not limb for the rest of your life? And he overcame that and was able to come back and win games. Limb-threatening injury. It went 5-1. and one. Fantastic. All right. Return from a career in limb-threatening injury. That makes it, oh, my God. I, I love the writing here. I mean, we don't like the word gush, but the NFL article got it done right here. Limb-threatening injury. Jeez. On his way to winning the Comeback Player of the Year award as well, folks. So an accolade on top of wins. Fantastic. The battle both men went through wasn't lost on those within the locker room like young star wide receiver Terry McLaurin. And man, oh man, that's what we're talking about, folks. The young guys. They see this, they're like, damn. This is this is a war sport, folks. This is a true battle. This takes everything you've got. And these two guys, the coach and the quarterback, both got it done? Damn, I respect, and I, that's just going to make me go harder than ever before because I saw how hard they both went while overcoming all these odds, and here I am, healthy as heck. I don't really got no baggage on me, so what's my excuse? I'm going to go out there and get it done because, you know, leading by example, and I freaking love that, folks. So let's see what Terry McLaurin said. Quote, I think that was, was I think that 
what was so unique for our team last year is that Smith and Coach Rivera were so unique in the adversities that they were going through last year. And it was a little sim and it was a little similar in that obviously Coach Rivera was dealing with cancer, but Alex Smith was dealing with a life-threatening injury. Just the way they approached practice, you would never known anything was wrong. Oh my god, folks, could you imagine? You're going through cancer treatment, folks. And it's still business as usual. This is what gets it done, folks. This is why we're going to be big on Washington this year because of that competitive nature and spirit of the, everybody that's in this Washington team organization now. We love it, folks. Just the way they approach practice, you would have never known anything was wrong, by the way. They never had a feel sorry for me moment. They never really had moments where they were going to use what they were going through as an excuse. They were always going to put their best foot forward. And as soon as one thing goes wrong with Aaron Rodgers, excuse right here. Oh, it's the it's the coach. Oh, it's the wide receivers. Oh, it's not me. Oh, it's, you know, well, it's kind of me, but I have a reason because they're trying to get rid of me. I went through this. That's my excuse. What's your excuse? And Ron Rivera was like, oh, well, I don't really have an excuse, but I guess I have cancer. <laughs> I guess if you're going to point out excuses, um, I still got it done. I had cancer. Aaron Rodgers, you had bad communication. <laughs> oh, okay. That's why you lost. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, it, it, folks, I mean, this is what we're talking about, folks. This is truly what we're talking about. So, truly, shout out to Alex Smith. I know, you know, I didn't praise him the most this year. And, you know, we, we, we say this all the time, you know, it was nothing about the man, just the stats-wise. It, it translated into wins, so we gave him a little extra credit on top of that. But just the stats and how he was looking, like the touchdown to interception ratio, really not the greatest. But he was still out there getting it done after that huge leg injury. So I got to give respect a thousand percent to Alex Smith. And the same thing with Ron Rivera. Business as usual throughout the entire season while everybody was dealing what they were dealing with. And that just motivated everybody else to get better. They never had had a feel sorry for me moment it wasn't oh you know week eight I'm feeling real bad oh folks Ron Rivera goes into the team you know practice he's like you know what folks um you know I'm not really feeling the best this week and you know let's just get through this week folks you know win lose let's obviously put out the best that we can get but if we don't win it, it, it's okay for this week no 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 it's like all right folks am I, I'm having a bad day but let's fucking get after it folks hey you you see what the Cowboys are doing They've got three wins so far. You see what the Giants are doing so far? Two wins so far. You see what the Eagles are doing? Three wins so far. Where are we at? Four wins, top of the division. Let's keep it going, folks. We control our own mother love and destiny. You want to flounder? You want to flounder right now? Or you want to go and win the motherfucking division and face Tom Brady uh, wildcard game and try to upset his ass? Upset the GOAT's ass? That's what we're trying to do here. We're not making excuses. There's no excuses here. Let's go get it done. And everybody fucking bought into that. And I love it. So... We're big on Washington this year. You still got Ron Rivera. You still got me, folks. So let's see what the Washington football team can do this season. Let's see them repeat. And let's see them have a great year here with everybody going into year two with motherfucking brass balls Ron Rivera, folks. Love it. That's how you run a team, folks. Get me on that team. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of this, folks. Whew, I love oh I love that so freaking much. Jeez. All right. Let's keep going here. What else do we get? 
All right, general manager Steve Keem of the Cardinals says confidence in Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, quote, at a real high. And yeah, it truly should be, folks. I mean, this man can ball, folks. I'm loving what we're seeing from Kyler Murray. And can we mention he's only in year two, folks? We just saw Josh Allen take the year three leap. You really have to give these quarterbacks three seasons. I know we don't like to do that because it's a win-now league and all that, and we are going to clown you if you're trash year one, absolutely. But it really takes, you know, a couple of seasons to get acclimated to the game and you know Josh Allen was trash absolutely abysmal those first two years folks if you're not completing at least 60% I mean I can't even get behind that at all folks even if it is rookie year Sam Darnold's never thrown 60% folks he's going into year four Josh Allen threw 69 year three and now we're all loving it but Kyler Murray here 64% completion percentage year one, 67% completion percentage year two, getting better every single year. And that's really the focus that we need to see through the first three years, for the first two years. We need to see you get better. If you're not the greatest year one, that's fine, but we need to see you get better year two. And that's exactly what Kyler Murray did. He threw for 3,900 yards year two. Fantastic. We want to see you in at least 4,000, but he's a dual threat quarterback, folks, and he had 800 more yards rushing. So, you know, in grand total 4,700 yards totality wise and that's fine for a dual threat quarterback because you're a dual threat you can pick up the yards on the ground as well so you don't you're not going to be throwing for 4,000 yards if you're picking up 800 yards on the ground you can and I believe I believe a quarterback has done that either RG3 something like that I'll see if I can find that for tomorrow's show. But, I mean, this 800, uh, 800 yards rushing as well, absolutely fantastic. The touchdown-to-interception ratio was fantastic. 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That's 2-1, to one, folks. That's exactly what we're looking for. So, um, fantastic here by Kyler Murray. Two years in, so obviously you have to have real high confidence level in Kyler Murray here. So let's go into this article right here and see what the exact quote is, exactly how much he's praising him, and see if there's any uh, kicks, uh, knocks on him too. So let's see. General Manager Steve Keem has seen several several promising passers come and go since he joined the organization around the turn of the century. Jake Paul, Plummer, no. Josh McCown, no. We were never talking about these quarterbacks like that. Matt Leinhart and Josh Rosen, no, no, no. None of those were ever as good as Kyler Murray year one, year two. No way. Um, ultimately proved to not be franchise quarterbacks. Well, of course, John, Josh Rosen. I mean, I feel sorry for that, dude, honestly. First overall pick and then just thrown thrown in the trash folks literally thrown in the dumpster they they didn't even wait for the garbage truck to pick this man up they put that man in the trash bin and then loaded the trash bin into a truck and drove their truck down to the dump themselves that day there was no waiting two three days for the garbage to come the garbage man to come to pick him up no no no. this is straight from from our house kitchen trash to the to the dump no time no time wasted you're gone you're gone you're done We've seen enough. We're not going to let you hang around two, three days in our front yard in the bin. No, we're not going to wait for a, you know, a, a somebody to pick up, come up on the side of the road and be like, oh, that's some good trash in there. I know it's trash, but I'm still going to pick it up and see what I can do with this trash. Eh, maybe I throw it out, but maybe I can repurpose it. No, no, no. You're going straight to the dump. No garbage pickers allowed. Kitchen trash to the dump. One stop shop here. Ooh, truly unfortunate for him. Uh, but here we go. Murray's first two seasons suggest otherwise. A thousand percent otherwise. Let's see what these other quarterbacks were doing their first two years. Jake Plummer? Jake Plummer? You're going to throw his name out here? What did he do his first two years? 
Damn, he's got a lot of years. Unfortunate. Uh, first year, 53% completion percentage. Second year, 59% completion percentage. No, no. Eh, next, next, next. He he finally was able to get to 62% completion percentage in 2003, folks. We're talking six years into his career, finally getting to 60%. Eh, next. Who do we got next? Josh McCown. All righty, let's see what he did. Here we go. Josh McCown. Year one. Only played two games. 38% completion percentage. How do you throw 38% completion percentage on 18 throws? Trash. Year two, he started three games. 57% completion percentage. And trash. All right. First full year come 2004, playing 13 games. 57% completion percentage. And next. Who's up next? Trash. Uh, we got Matt Leinhart. Let's get him up. Matt Leinhart, career stats. Year one, 56% completion percentage. Eh, 52, uh, year number two, 53% completion percentage. Eh, next, trash. Who's next? We got Josh. Um, I don't want to bring this up. I don't want to add insult to injury. Josh Allen, or Josh Rosen. Putting, uh, putting all Joshes into bad names there. Josh Rosen, career stats. What did he do year one? Only year. Uh, uh, 55% completion percentage. 11 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. I'm sorry. Eh, I've seen enough next. So, yes, Kyler Murray is clear. Leaps, bounds, sprints, miles, light years ahead of anybody that has been a Cardinals quarterback over the last uh, decade, two decades. So let's see what the uh, the general manager is saying. So, quote, um, quote, it's the little things. Whether it is seeing the field or playing with a little more consistency, knowing we have a guy who is a game changer and a special player, and that is it to a TE, folks. The hell Murray. Yeah, you had DeAndre Hopkins, but to get him escaping out of the pocket, I think somebody like grabbed his foot and he kind of stumbled a little bit and was still able to recover, rolling all the way to the left sideline and then flicking. I think it was like 50 yards, folks, and then just giving him that opportunity, making that throw to be in the perfect position to make a play, to be able to make a play on that ball. You got to give him credit for that. So, yeah, absolutely. A game changer and a special player. He is a rare, a rare competitor. Love that. I got to have that competitive edge, that competitive spirit. Kyler Murray's got it. I have no question he will continue to grow and develop in all those areas, and that's fantastic. Yeah, just get a little bit more consistent, a little bit more better, a little bit more better every single year. Win 5, 10, and 1 his first year. Win 8 and 8 year 2. Wins are improving. Let's see you keep going there. And that was kind of the biggest knock on this Cardinals team. They started off real strong. Wrong. What do they get uh, their first couple of games here? Uh, let's take uh, since uh, week uh, week 10 here. Week week 11, we got loss, loss, loss. Win, win, loss, loss. So, I mean, 5-2 and two in their last seven games. That's really was their downfall. 2-5 and five in their last seven games. Two wins, five losses. So, that was really the downfall of the Cardinals. Maybe gotten kind of stale with their offense. We saw the same thing with the Seahawks. So, we can't really bash the quarterbacks. We're not bashing Russell Wilson for those losses. We're not bashing Kyler Murray for those losses. Maybe the offensive scheme a little bit needs to be shaken up. You got a little bit too kind of ingrained in what you were good at. The defense saw that. They shut it down. You had no other option. Um, so, let's learn this lesson. And this is why we have to have a little bit 
of a little better year for this Cardinals team because we saw you flounder in the back half, but you were still pretty solid as a team overall. Just have to have to shake up that offense a little bit, learn a little bit new plays, more schemes to just kind of build off of what you did do, and then keep that defense guessing the entire season. So... The struggle for the record, it's not on Kyler Murray, folks. So, once again, everything's pointing to great success here by Kyler Murray, and I'm loving everything about it. All right, let's keep uh, with this article. We get anything else good here? I think that's all of him, but let's just read this uh, last thing here. Um, here we go. That would elevate him to the gamer's elite. The dual threat quarterback was already better across the board a year after winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. His completion percentage, passing yards, rushing yards, and touchdowns on the ground and through the air were noticeably up, while his sacks were dramatically down in what was a Pro Bowl campaign. Such growth has given Kime, the general manager, if not the entire fan base, I mean, I'm, I'm big on him now, um, reason to believe the Cardinals' future. Reasons, reason to believe in the Cardinals' future. Absolutely. We're big on this Cardinals team. I mean, folks, we just did our top 40 quarterback, and we put Kyler Murray at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 above Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, we're big on this man. We truly believe he can get it done. It was only two years ago that they entered the offseason holding the number one pick in the draft. Reaching the postseason is now an expectation. Truly that. We are at eight wins. Nine, ten wins now. An extra game. We're starting to get into that kind of wild card hunt. Obviously, we would like to compete for the division. It's maybe, it's a tough division there. Uh, what is it? The NFC South, NFC North. Blanking out what the actual division is, but, uh, you know, Cardinals, Seahawks. Oh, I have it up here, actually. Uh, let's go here. Uh, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals, 49ers. It's the NFC West. I, I missed on both. I doubled down on both of them and missed them on both. Um, but yeah, NFC West is big time hard. So we, we, obviously we want you to win the division, but you know, it takes some steps here and looking at the competition, it's, it's hard to get there, but let's start getting into that kind of wild card, 9, 10, 11 wins. And then we can go from there, just getting better every single year. So Absolutely. Reaching the postseason is now an expectation. Quote here by Kime, I would say my confidence at the position in and in general is at a real high. <clears throat> and yeah, you've got to be, folks. We just looked at the stats. Eight wins last season, real solid for what they did. Unfortunately, fell apart in the back half, but that's really not on the offense. It was kind of on the scheme-wise. So... Uh, yeah, big promise into Kyler Murray, and the man can get it done. The man was slinging it. The man can escape the pocket. I would say... It's close, folks. I, It's between him and Lamar Jackson, just the pure speed, the sheer speed. Lamar Jackson may be a tiny bit faster, but Kyler Murray's acceleration is something to be dangerous, folks. It is truly dangerous in this league. So um, maybe Lamar Jackson is a, is a fraction, a hair faster than Kyler Murray overall, but the way that Kyler Murray can cut, quickly cut in and out and go from 0 to 100 quick as heck with that acceleration... It's truly, it's game-changing out there. The man is a game-changer offensively. You got to give the man credit. So, we, we'll, we'll, we'll gush on this uh, Cardinals team. We're gushing on Kyler Murray, folks. We're ready to see what this man can do year three. Hopefully, he takes another step forward. We do not want to see any regression. Because if we st start seeing regression, now we're going to have doubts. And I don't want to have doubts on any player here, folks. Always got to be better. Always got to keep improving. All right, what else do we get? Uh, we get a little bit of a an inside here. We talked about this a couple days on the show. Tom Brady motherfuckering a team in an organization because they were going with the same guy and not having real respect 
to try and get Tom Brady as their quarterback. So we were kind of walking through all the teams uh, because, you know, Tom Brady's not naming anybody out here, unfortunately. But we have a rumor here that uh, we kind of maybe know who he was motherfuckering now. So here we go. Tom said on the shop HBO that he was, quote, no fucking way I would have gone to that team. And now there's multiple people with deep connections, deep connections. Multiple people believe Derek Carr was that motherfucker Tom Brady was talking about. Alrighty, so the Raiders with Derek Carr, but I mean, can we look at what was Derek Carr doing? I mean, I don't think the problem is with Derek Carr there in um, in Las Vegas with the Raiders. And another reason why I don't really truly believe that um, Tom Brady was motherfuckering Derek Carr was because is he really going to want to play with John Gruden? I don't know. I don't know if that's the coach chemistry that Tom Brady wants. Kind of a little bit of a clown, not a clown, but, you know, not kind of, you know, this kind of stone-faced, stoic Tom, um, Bill Belichick or even Bruce Arians. I mean, you know... Um, John Gruden has a lot of personality. I guess I should say that and not clown. I really don't want to use that word, but a lot of big personality. So I don't know if their car truly makes the most sense. I mean, what do we have completion percentage wise? I mean, um, anything great? I mean, yeah. I mean, folks, we're just going to read it from all the way to 2014 to 2020 this season. We're starting at 58%, then going to 61, then 63, then 62, then 68, then 70. He threw 70% in 2019 for 4,000 yards. So you're going to motherfucker that? I'm not motherfuckering that. No way. No way. Not at all. Seven. Oh, my God. I did not know that, folks. 70% with 4,000 yards. Absolutely magnificent there. Now, the touchdowns was a little low for that. 21 touchdowns, but still only eight interceptions. Still more than two to one, which is fantastic. So he's really checking all the marks here. So I don't really believe that you're really motherfuckering Derek Carr. The man doesn't turn the ball over and has a great completion percentage. The man's got career 64%, folks. Your motherfuckering 64% career-wise while your last three years were 68, 70, 67? 2020 was 67, folks. I mean, so I don't truly understand. I don't buy. I'm not buying into this rumor here that Bleacher Report Gridiron is trying to sell here that multiple people with deep connections. The man can throw the deep ball. He's consistent. He's accurate. And he's got 4,000 yards. That's checking every single box. So why would he, I, when we're kind of looking at the dysfunction of the Raiders and why they're not winning games, what do we got, 7-9 the last two years? 7-9, 2019, 8-8 eight eight this year. So, I mean, I'm not motherfucking Derek Carr. I'm motherfucking John Gruden. So I'm not buying into this rumor, and I don't think it's Derek Carr. I, I, I'm believing in Derek Carr, folks. This completion percentage is winnable in this league. It, it's, it's kind of an anomaly that, I mean, he's thrown 68% completion percentage with 4,000 yards and going 4-12. and 12. I'm not putting that on Derek Carr, the quarterback. No freaking way. So, yeah, they could say it's Derek Carr and the Raiders. I'm not buying it until Tom Brady says it. I will not buy this rumor. I give this rumor 0%. I buy into this 0%. I won't even give it 1%. That I buy into this. That's why we want Tom Brady to start saying, say it, say it. I don't want to speculate anymore with Tom Brady. I want to know everything. I want to know all the details, all the tea, all the shade. I want to know it. 
He's great. Like we said, he's got nothing left to prove. Start being the villain, man. Truly start being the villain. You've got nothing to lose. The people that love you will literally always love you because you're the greatest of all time. You won the, you know, the city of New England, the freaking multiple rings, obviously. Uh, Tampa Bay loves you now because you finally got them a ring. Um, and then, uh, you know, the people that hate you will always hate you because you're great. And maybe that you might be able to swing some of those people that hate you because you're so great. If you're the villain now and they're like, oh, you're calling people out. Oh, that's what those people like that don't like greatness and want to, you know, shit on people that are great because they like to kind of, quote, be the villain in their own story. Oh, yeah. I don't like Tom Brady. He's trash. I don't care that he's won multiple Super Bowls. I don't care if he's got all the accolades and the records and the stats. He's trash. Look at me. I'm the villain. He's trash. Trash villain over here. So, I mean, you might be able to win some respect with them if you go hardcore villain. Start calling out everybody. Oh, yeah, Mitch Trubisky was that motherfucker. That garbage motherfucker, MVP, worthless quarterback who could not do anything for Matt Nagy, who's a good pretty good coach out here in the play caller and that defense with Khalil Mack and you know your wide receivers that were sacrificing their body to catch absolutely garbage throws from you garbage passes from you and was still making you look good and you could never repay them in any drive no drive were you good enough to kind of make up for all the all the trash that you have ever been in your life now all those villains those villain fans are going to be a fan of Tom Brady, the villain, because you're calling out people. So I'm not buying it's Derek Carr, folks. I'm not motherfuckering 70% completion percentage because we have to remember this is 2019 going into 2020. So this was the last thing that Derek Carr, Derek Carr had on record. 70% completion percentage, 4,000 yards. That's what won Aaron Rodgers the MVP this year, folks. 70% completion percentage. I think he had like 43, 4,400 yards. Uh, so a couple more hundred yards. But, I mean, the completion percentage was literally the thing that won him the MVP, folks. 70.7, 4,300 yards. The inter uh, the touchdown-interception ratio was also a big part of that. Oh, my God. Not even close to what Derek Carr can do. Jeez, Louise. 48 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. All right, so maybe Derek Carr isn't overall what you know uh, Aaron Rodgers was doing at MVP, but he's still throwing 70% completion percentage. That's the high, uh, second highest Aaron Rodgers had. Uh, the first highest was 71, but he, he threw 28 passes. So we can't even count that. So Derek Carr, 70.4. Aaron Rodgers, 70.7. That's the highest Aaron Rodgers has ever had. So you got to give that some respect. So I'm not buying that Tom Brady was motherfuckering Derek Carr. Buy that 0%. <clears throat> All right, let's keep going here. Uh, we got the Jalen Hurts, a little kind of a preview. Jalen Hurts throwing deep to Devontae Smith. Love seeing this. It's just a one throw, 15-second clip. Can't even really count the yards on this one. Um, maybe 50, maybe 45, 50-ish in that range, 40 to 50 range. But it's still a great pass here, and this is what the Eagles need to have going. I mean, they need to make Devontae Smith this A1, Tier 1, even though he's a rookie, folks. I mean, skill positions, they make a huge impact. There's really nothing. I mean, you don't really change up your game from college to the NFL. Yes, the speed, but uh, the speed is different. The speed of the game is different. 
you are playing kind of with grown men out there, so that is a little, a little um, uh, what you have to adjust to. But with that quarterback position, literally everything is different. You have to know the schemes, the difference, what's going to be open. So that's why we don't put a lot of pressure on rookie quarterbacks being, you know, great out of the gate year one, rookie year. But skill positions, Devontae Smith has to get after it year one because he's kind of their number one wide receiver that they have. So the fact that they're having this good work in, nice bomb, nice rainbow bomb over there. Obviously no pads, no nothing, no defense, just those two on the field. I get it. But still, once again, we're never not going to buy into these videos, folks. If we're seeing great things in practice, we know that's going to translate to the game. So we're seeing it here, the nice deep ball, and we'll see what the Eagles can do here. They have a lot to overcome besides these two players, Jalen Hurts and Vontae Smith, the new head coach and their defense and their other kind of pieces we got their uh their tight end that doesn't really want to be there anymore unfortunately Zach Ertz so we'll see why that happens but uh we'll see if these two can have this beautiful connection I wanted Devontae Smith on the Dolphins I think he's the best receiver in this year's draft and only time will tell on that but we'll definitely be tracking that this entire season cannot wait for it and we'll see what Jalen Hurts is looking like year two and we'll see if Devontae Smith can get on track year one All right, moving on. Here we go. Last football story to go over for today. All right, here we go. A uh, a tweet in an article by Around the NFL, Scouts no Scouts Notebook, Bucky, Bucky Brooks, geez, sorry, Bucky Brooks lists five quarterback coach duos under the most pressure entering the 2021 NFL season. Alrighty, I have not previewed this article. I do not know what the top five are, but I do kind of want to go through and kind of give our top five, and then we'll go in this article and kind of see, do we agree? Do we disagree? Let's see if they know, they order them kind of five through one in that sense of who really has the most out of these five. So let's go through the teams here, talk through them quickly, and kind of see what our top five quarterback coach duos that are under the most pressure this season, and then we'll compare it to that article. So here we go, starting from the top. Here we go, Seattle Seahawks. Not really. The only kind of uh, pressure that they're facing is the media pressure. Just that kind of lame story that, oh, is Russell Wilson still unhappy? No, he's not. We, It's debunked. It's bunked now, folks. They're fine. They're on the same level. So there's really no special, it's, it, pressure. It's Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, folks. I mean, they always win. They have always won in this league. Russell Wilson has never had a losing season record, ever. So there's no pressure. Obviously, there's pressure to win the Super Bowl, but there's not, you know, do or die. Oh my God, they'll break up the they'll break up the Seahawks if they don't have, you know, a great success. They're gonna have good success. It's just whether it's Super Bowl or not. But there's no pressure here between um, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. It's just outside media nonsense that you know needs something to talk about. So I'm not gonna give that any really thought there. The Rams, yes, this 100%. This is probably uh, the biggest, in my opinion, um, um, Sean McVay, just because, you know, he was kind of trashing Jared Goff. You know, they lost the Super Bowl because of Jared Goff. They were never great this year or last year because of Jared Goff. He's not the guy. He didn't draft him. He kind of inherited him. But now he kind of committed. He got rid of Jared Goff and brought in somebody that he thinks he can win with in Matthew Stafford. So there is immense pressure for this Rams team to at least get to the playoffs and really kind of get to the divisional round at least. I got to see second round here by this Rams team to be a successful year um, overall. Like I said, year one with the new team with Matt Stafford, I'll give it a little bit of a free pass, but we still have to see you win and get to the playoffs. Obviously, Tom Brady's the outlier. I can't really, I'm not going to really hold the Rams to that same standard winning Super Bowl year one, even though they 
they should. They should be able to do that, but we have to see them at least get to the Super Bowl, upgrade their wins from 10 wins last season to at least more than that, maybe even one, but you got to get to the playoffs and you have to and you have to um, at least win the first playoff game, whatever it is. If you have a first round bye, well, that's unfortunate for you. You better still win that first game coming up, not a wild card game. So Rams are definitely high, high on this quarterback coach but it's more on the coach there Matthew Stafford I mean you know he, he he didn't ask to get traded you know what I mean he didn't ask to leave now he now he finally has a good system so he can't hide behind that excuse either but I think I'd give it a little bit more I'd probably give it 60 40 coach quarterback there 60% on Sean McVay more pressure than Matt Stafford but overall the coach quarterback combo is under immense pressure there with the Rams that's my number one all right, Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, decent pressure here, but not that much pressure. I mean, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, very solid there. Like we said, we've already talked through the story, but, um, um, you know, Kyler Murray's very good. It was just kind of the overall offensive scheme, but uh, I don't think this Cardinals team has that much pressure to kind of get it done this year. We're, we're talking year three. Um, Got to get better than eight wins. Not too much pressure on that. Uh, the 49ers, once again, I mean, you would probably think there is a lot of pressure here. For um, Kyle Shanahan, but now we have this kind of sub-narrative of, you know, Trey Lance. And if you go with the rookie quarterback right out of the gate, there really is no pressure. If you still stick with Jimmy Garoppolo, then yes, we are talking about kind of uh, deep playoff runner bust. So it is kind of dependent on the quarterback whether Kyle Shanahan is under pressure or not. So we'll see which quarterback they go to. So we'll kind of, we'll we'll leave them off the top five for now. We'll see if we can put any other teams on here, and then we'll come back to these ones: Cardinals and 49ers. They're, they're, they may be like top ten, top ten quarterback coach, but I don't know about top five just quite yet. We'll see what else we get. The Saints, no, no pressure at all. You got Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. You just kind of have to hope you make the right decision for Sean Payton. That's really it. But there's no pressure there. You're, you, none of these quarterbacks are even close to Drew Brees. So, um, you know, making the playoffs is kind of high for what they need to accomplish this year. So no pressure here for the Saints. For the Bucks. no pressure. They just won last year. Yeah, go back to back. Don't. It doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't. Um, Carolina Panthers, yes, this is pressure here, folks. Matt Rule, you once again, you got rid of Teddy Bridgewater. You made that choice. He kind of got it done statistically, didn't result in the wins. But once again, we're talking about rookie head coach with kind of a new quarterback here, year one. There's pressure on this Panthers team, folks. Big pressure because of what Matt Rule did. So, yeah, I'm putting this Panthers team number two so far, folks. Absolute pressure. You believe in Sam Darnold over Teddy Bridgewater? Well, you better get it done year one. You better get it done year one. You better win more than five games because that's what Teddy Bridgewater did. You better hope that you can make Sam Darnold a 60% completion percentage uh, completion quarterback because he hasn't been able to do that with the Jets. So this is Matt Rule doing it all to himself here real early on in his career. Big pressure here. Quarterback coach duo for the Panthers. Sam Darnold can't hide, can't behind, can't hide behind the garbage state of the franchise the Jets are in and can't hide behind the garbage Court, uh, garbage head coaches they had you have with Adam Gase. No more hiding behind that. Matt Rule, he's doubling down on Sam Darnold. Made the trade for him. Atlanta Falcons. Alrighty. Not so much we were bringing in a rookie head coach. Year one head coach for this Falcons team. No real pressure there. Pressure on Matt Ryan to keep getting better, but not really the quarterback coach duo. 
Washington football team. Yeah, really no pressure here, man. Uh, once again, I mean, we're going between Taylor Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick. We know Ron Rivera is going to do whatever he needs to do to win. We're never, we're never worried about Ron Rivera. There's never pressure on Ron Rivera. He gets it done, folks. So uh, quarterbacks are not that great. No pressure. Giants. All righty. I don't know if this is truly head coach quarterback. Maybe offensive coordinator quarterback. But, yeah, still some decent pressure here. We got to see Daniel Jones get that leap now. We have to see this Giants team start winning more games now. So this Giants team maybe once again top 10. But I would probably put it more as Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator, and Daniel Jones more than I kind of do the overall coach. Dallas Cowboys, absolutely, yes, sir, must get it done. Cowboys, uh, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott, a thousand percent. This is it, folks. You could, you know, I, I didn't like to give them the pass. I didn't want to give this Cowboys team. I don't. I don't give this Cowboys team a pass for what they did last season. I know a lot of people in the media do just because they didn't have Dak Prescott. But you had Andy Dalton and you still had Zeke, so there was really no excuses from my standpoint why this Cowboys team shouldn't have had success last year. Six and ten, third in the division. Why? What? What? No. Trash. That's absolutely trash. I don't care, no Dak Prescott. I don't care. You got Andy Dalton, serviceable backup in this league, proven starter, proven kind of 50-50 win starter, so six wins is under eight, which you should have been with Andy Dalton, especially with a, a, a top, top 10, top 7 running back in this league in Zeke. Come on. So big pressure on now. More on Mike McCarthy over Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott is coming off the injury. So if you want to give him a buffer year, I would probably understand that. I wouldn't totally disagree with that. If he kind of flounders this year, he's coming off the injury. But, uh, yeah, Mike McCarthy, hey, he won a Super Bowl with the Packers. He learned under Aaron Rodgers as a head coach. He's highly regarded as a head coach, not in my book, but in just kind of the general media's book. So big pressure here for this Cowboys team especially with the head coach. Absolutely. Uh, Eagles. Yeah, not really that much. New head coach, second year, second year quarterback. No real pressure there. Uh, Green Bay Packers. Is there pressure? There's pr I don't know, man. Um, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up, there's no pressure, honestly, on Matt LaFleur. Well, I, I guess, see, it's tough. It's, it's kind of a tough discussion here. Uh, if, if let's just say Aaron Rodgers does not show up, then there is pressure on Matt LaFleur to try and win without him. Just to be like, oh, yeah, we kind of really didn't need you. We let you walk. We traded you. We kind of felt comfortable what we had. So a little pressure in that scenario. If Aaron Rodgers does show up, then yes, it's always Super Bowl or bust with that. So it's kind of a little, uh, we need another month to see what's happening at training camp before we truly put them in. But I stand behind Matt LaFleur, folks. I truly do, honestly. I think he's a great great head coach, great play caller. Um, I don't I don't really see him having that much pressure on him. I think it's more Aaron Rodgers if he shows up, and it's more um, Jordan Love if he's there. But we'll see what happens. Chicago Bears, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Matt Nagy, no more free passes. We gave you all those free passes with Mitch Trubisky. You try to bring in Nick Foles, that didn't work. You try to bring in Andy Dalton, that's your guy. And if you're going to stick with him as a starter, big, you got to live and die by him. But once again, I mean, how many quarterbacks are we going to give this guy? We already gave this man two. Andy Dalton's the third. And you bring in uh, Justin Fields. That's four quarterbacks. So you better be able to pick which one's right here. And you better start winning uh, more than eight games like you did last season. Uh, probably have to win the division. And I know it's going to be hard. But you have have to at least get to the playoffs and look decent. Um, and they didn't do that last year. They got to the playoffs. Didn't look decent. 
So yeah, I think the Bears are probably number four here. Matt Nagy, we got put up or shut up. It's kind of like Sean McVay. You know, he got to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff, not what he wanted. And now Matt Nagy kind of has a little bit. They're big on Justin Fields. They've been raving about him. They're like, this is what we wanted all along. It fell into us, fell into our lap. Thank goodness. It's time to put up or shut up for Matt Nagy here. So yeah, Bears, absolutely, number four. So we got one spot left, and we're not even in the AFC. Not great. Um, but here we go. Vikings, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins that much. I, you know, he's not one of these, you know, A1, Tier 1 quarterbacks that, uh, you know, everyone's ranting and raving about. Mike Zimmer, once again, you know, he's a good coach. Is there ever any pressure on this team to win? I feel like this is like the team that never has any pressure on them. I feel like nobody talks about them as Super Bowl champions. Obviously, nobody talks about them as being one of the worst teams. They're just this middle-of-the-road team. That's really it. I really don't think anybody even registers the Vikings are even a team in this league, honestly. They're like, oh, yeah, the Vikings. Yeah, they're all, what, what, where'd they go, 7-9 or nine this season? Yeah, that sounds about right. Where'd they go, 8-8 eight and eight this season? Yeah, that sounds about right. What did Kirk Cousins just kind of sound all right? All right-ish? Oh, right, yeah, it sounds about right. So it's like I, I, I don't see it being this Vikings team. Uh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't see this Vikings team having that much pressure on them. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just they're just a team in this league. That's really, that's really the only reasoning I can come up with. Detroit Lions is Dan Campbell. Um, no, there's no pressure. Just because it's year one, he's trash. I don't think he's going to work, but there's no pressure there. There's never any pressure in Detroit. They're trash. They've always been trash. They've had Matthew Stafford, and they were trash. They had Megatron, and they were trash. What more, what more, what more do y'all need to have pressure? I mean, I don't know. So no, no Detroit pressure there. Now we're finally in the AFC. The Tennessee Titans... Decent pressure here, Mike Vo uh, Mike Vo Vogel and um, um, Mike Vogel. I feel like I'm getting that uh, mixed up with Frank Vogel. Um, Mike Vogel, no? Mike, 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 Mike. Um, yeah, what's his last name? Is it Vogel? Vogel? Vrabel. There it is. Mike Vrabel. Okay, I knew I was getting those uh, two names, uh, two coaches confused. But, um, yeah, I mean, you bring in Julio Jones. I mean, you already got to the AFC Championship game, but then you got to the second round. It's like, all right, you still got Derrick Henry. Um, I don't know if it's more on Ryan Tannehill. I think it's just the offense in general. Um, I think they know Ryan Tannehill's the game manager. They don't really put the game into his hands that often. So, um, of the criteria of head coach and quarterback I don't think the Titans truly fall under that I think it's more the team and um that's really it I believe in Mike Vrabel honestly I think it's just can the team get it done so uh don't think it's the Titans the Colts little pressure here not top five I would say uh Frank Reich trying I mean he kind of you know went with uh, Carson Wentz they have history together so I wouldn't say this year a lot of pressure there is to win a ring here but it doesn't have to be year one in my opinion definitely have to kind of get to the playoffs at least try to do more than what uh, Philip Rivers did and that's 11 and 5 in losing a close wild card game so if they can do a little bit better than that I would say that's a su successful year and we have to see if Carson Wentz can stay healthy as well so it's once again um there there's pressure I don't know if there's win now pressure though for this Colts team Houston Texans we don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson and we have a new head coach no way uh Jacksonville Jaguars yeah once again I mean we got new head coach new quarterback the only reason that um um Urban Meyer would have some kind of uh, pressure on him is if he signs Tim Tebow to the active roster 
And then we have to start seeing him do good because if not, that's strike one against this new head coach in this league for the first time. So no real quarterback head coach um, pressure there. The Bills, this is tough. I wouldn't say – I mean, they got to the AFC Championship game last last year. So obviously, naturally, it's Super Bowl or bust – but I don't know if I mean if they don't have great success if they don't win the Super Bowl it's not like you blow up the team. Um, just probably have to have the defense step up a little bit more, a little bit more offensive firepower in the playoffs. I don't like how conservative they are with Josh Allen in the playoffs, folks. Their play calling, I don't like that. So maybe a more offensive coordinator with Josh Allen than the head coach in Josh Allen. The Dolphins, um, yeah, I mean, Brian Flores, always kind of pressure on him. But with Tua making that year two leap, little pressure on him as well, but I don't know about top five pressure. Definitely top 10, I would say, for Tua to kind of take that next step, but still, at the end of the day, we're talking about a year two quarterback. We're starting to give these quarterbacks three seasons. Now we have to see the big league. We just have to see you get better. So I don't know about big pressure here for the Dolphins, not top five. Patriots, potential here with um, Bill Belichick. I mean, you got to start winning without Tom Brady. He won without you, so a lot of pressure on Tom Brady and decent pressure on Cam Newton, but he didn't prove anything last year. So yeah, we want him to get better, but still, at the end of the day, we're not counting Cam Newton as like top ten quarterback. I mean, folks, we have him. We have him real low, folks. We have Cam Newton under Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, Jimmy G, Joe Burrow, Tua, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins. Or no, we have him above Jared Goff, one notch above Jared Goff, but under. I mean, this is like twenty, folks. This is like number twenty-ish, twenty-five. So we don't even have him as like top ten quarterback, folks. The Jets, once again, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, no real pressure. The Steelers, uh, decent pressure, not really between quarterback and head coach, though. Uh, Big Ben's on his last leg, so whatever we get, we're expecting. You know, no playoff, that's expected. The man's at the end of his career. And if he makes it to the Super Bowl, hey, that's a welcome surprise. And he over-exceeded expectations. But I don't think there's really any pressure here on the Steelers. The Ravens, yeah, yeah, I mean, right here, I mean, um, I don't agree with those narratives that kind of trash Lamar Jackson and say that he's a running back, I don't believe in that, I think that's highly disrespectful, I don't buy into that, I buy into that 0%, folks, I don't give that any credit, but we do need this, I mean, we gotta start seeing him, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is his comp, folks, and he hasn't been beating him or getting to the Super Bowl like Patrick Mahomes has, so just in that sense, we have to see Lamar Jackson step it up, now they're kind of implementing the deep ball a little bit more, and John Harbaugh, there's really no pressure on him, honestly, I mean, he's, he's gonna be in this league as long as he wants to be, he's won in this league, he's won a Super Bowl, he's done everything, um, so... Yeah, maybe maybe the Ravens at number five. Let's see what else we get here in the rest of the team. The Cleveland Browns, once again, real great. I mean, there's still pressure on um, Kevin Stefanski and um, Baker Mayfield because they've been getting better every single year. But um, are we calling it Super Bowl or bust? Maybe AFC Championship game, second round or bust, but still just have to be good. I don't know if there's that much pressure on just the coaching quarterback overall. They've been kind of getting it done. We'd like to see them get better year three. We'll see. The Bengals, no, new head coach and uh, or a second year head coach, and uh, you know Joe Burrow coming off the injury. Really, no pressure there. Uh, the Chiefs, I mean, there's always it's Super Bowl or bust. I mean, there's no pressure. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to be there next year and the year after that and the year after that, regardless of what happens this season. But they've won the Super Bowl. They've been to back to back. It's Super Bowl or bust. 
the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, I would say more pressure on John Gruden. Yeah, so I'm going to put the Raiders at five instead of the uh, the Raiders at five instead of the Ravens, just because John Gruden. Can we get some wins here? Can we be good at the end of the season? Derek Carr. I mean, your stats are great, but once again, they're not translating to wins. So yeah, I would say this Raiders team has a lot of pressure on them between the quarterback and the and the coach. Can we win games? That's why I don't know about Derek Carr's great stats, the 70% completion percentage, the 4,000 yards, because they're not winning. They're irrelevant. So place that half on the quarterback, place that half on the coach. I've got no problem with that. Raiders top five quarterback coach combo that is under a lot of pressure this year. Then the last two games, the last two teams, the Chargers, new head coach with Justin Herbert year two. No pressure there. Justin Herbert's going to look great, don't get me wrong, but uh, no pressure on them to win now. And then for the Denver Broncos, once again, I mean, head coach, you know, um, they don't have a new one, right? Or No, they do. They got, yeah, they got a new head coach. Who's, uh, who's the Broncos head coach? We got, um, oh, Vic Vangio. All right. Did he just get, when did he get there? Heads into year three. Okay. So they just got, you know, the quarterback controversy there between the quarterback competition between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, not pressure to win the entire thing, but pressure to get better. Pressure to get better. Got to start seeing them get better. And uh, Drew Locke, I don't think he wins the comp. So if you're having Teddy Bridgewater be the starter, yeah, really not a lot of pressure there to win. Obviously to win, but, uh, you know, you can just always blame it. Oh, Teddy B wasn't it either. But now we're talking about Vic Vangio being like, all right, well, can can you get the guy? Can you can you make the right call, that quarterback? Because he didn't draft one this year. You had Teddy Bridgewater before the draft, so you're like, hey, we're feeling kind of confident with this. So decent pressure there by the Broncos, but not as much as those other five teams. So overall, we have uh, the uh, we got the, the Rams. We've got the Cowboys. We've got the Bears, the Raiders. What is this team? I can't even read my, jeez, that's not great. Um, we said the Rams, the Panthers. That's right, the Panthers. Rams, Panthers, Cowboys, Bears, Raiders. That's our top five. Now let's go into the uh, Scouts Notebook here by Bookie Brooks, Bucky Brooks, and see what he says the top five are. Alrighty, here we go. Um, here we are. Here we are. All right, number one is the Rams. Alrighty, so exactly what we said. Here we go. They said it's Super Bowl or bust for the Rams after they shipped out Jared Goff as part of a deal with the Lions for Stafford. With Goff's 42 and 20 record in four seasons under McVay representing the bar, the pressure is squarely on the shoulders of Stafford and McVay to capture a Lombardi Trophy. Considering the 13th year pro has zero playoff wins and only four winning seasons on his resume, the Rams quarterback shuffle is a roll of the dice that could backfire on a team looking to make good on its current competitive window. Yeah, I mean, exactly what we kind of said there. Um, just more on Sean McVay, just because this is the guy he wants. He went out and hand-selected him. He kind of trashed Jared Goff, so now you've got the guy. Win with the guy. If you if you feel so confident you can win, just need the quarterback. You got the guy now. So yeah, Rams number one here. All right, they have Ravens number two. Alrighty, they say Jackson has posted a thirty and seven career regular season record. How great! And claimed an MVP award in twenty nineteen while dazzling as an electric dual threat playmaker. But questions persist about his pocket passing ability after observers watched the Ravens run heavy offense fizzle in the three straight early playoff exits. With Jackson and company underperforming in the postseason, the pressure is mounting on Harbaugh to diversify the offense to give the Ravens a better chance. Of 
of advancing in the tournament. Will the Super Bowl winning head coach stick to the unorthodox script that has made the Ravens perennial title contenders in Jackson era or will he scrap the plan in favor for a traditional approach that could produce better results in the postseason the outcome of the decision could make or break the Ravens next few seasons I truly yeah but I think that's more the offensive coordinator than you know I get you know the head coach has everything you know under him I get that you know and it has to put everything in place I get that I think it's more the offensive coordinator than John Harbaugh that's why we didn't really have the Ravens in the top five but I get it I get it all right, third, we have the Colts. All righty, we kind of said, I don't think it's under this season. Next season, definitely. But I think I give him a, I give Carson Wentz that buffer season because Carson Wentz isn't this kind of A1, Tier 1, Brady, uh, Mahomes even already, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Big Ben, where they can go and go from team to team, year to year, it doesn't matter, and they can always get it done throughout the season. Carson Wentz is like this Tier 2 that you would expect the Year 1 not greatness, still productive, still getting wins, still being decent, but to fully understand the entire offense and then make that playoff run, that Super Bowl run, I really think it's kind of two years. Now, we're still big. I still think the Colts are going to win it, but I don't think there should be that pressure to win it this year for the Colts. But let's see what they say. Perhaps a change, of, uh, a change of scenery and a familiar voice will help Wentz recapture the magic that made him an MVP frontrunner with the Eagles in 2017. The veteran quarterback steps into a Super Bowl-ready offense. It is a Super Bowl-ready offense, I will say that. In Indianapolis, with a beefy line. Oh, I love that word, beefy. Love it. With a beefy line and an underrated set of perimeter playmakers boasting big play potential. That's all true there. I can't disagree with anything that they just said. In addition, Wentz is supported by an elite defense that stimes, that stimes opponents in easy scoring chances with turnovers. If Reich, who served as Wentz's offensive coordinator in Philadelphia in 2016 and 2017, can get the veteran quarterback to embrace his role as a game manager. Oh, my. They are saying everything right here, folks. Yes, I agree. I'll, I'll change my list. They're, they bought me. Um... If he can embrace his role as a game manager on a team that is built to make a run, the Colts could surge to the top of the AFC as the most complete squad in the league. And yeah, I mean, they are in a win-now mode. Literally everything that they just said in this this short paragraph is absolutely 100% correct. I was just kind of giving Carson Wentz maybe a buffer year if needed. I don't think he's going to need it. And I have kind of some other teams that I like it a little bit more pressure now to win this year alone. But I understand the Colts. All right, number four is the Raiders. Here we go. <clears throat> we had the Raiders as well. Uh, the duo is now is entering now or never territory heading into the fourth season of Gruden's rebuild. That's it right there. Gruden's fourth year rebuild, folks. What have they done the entire season? Um, they got their 2018, 4-12, 7-9, 8-8. Eight eight. Okay, do or die now. Absolutely. Agree 100% so far. All right, with the Raiders sporting a 19-29 and 29 record with zero playoff appearances since Gruden took over in 2018, that's abysmal. That is truly abysmal. The pressure, the pressure is mounting on Carr and his coach to orchestrate a breakthrough in 2021. The quarterback has certainly done his part to... Oh, my folks, we just said that. The quarterback has certainly done his part to keep the team pointed in the right direction, producing three straight 4,000-yard seasons. Fantastic. While improving his efficiency and reducing his negative plays, Folks, no turnover, 70% completion percentage. What else do we need to say? The results have, that's why it's on more John Gruden than it is Derek Carr. 
Uh, the results have made the Raiders respectable, but Vegas needs more from the QB1 to go from good to great in the tough AFC West. Given Gruden's reputation for offensive wizardry, Mm, okay. The grizzled head coach needs to dig into his bag of tricks to add some sizzle to an offense that needs to explode if the Raiders hope to overtake their division rivals. Yeah, absolutely agree. All right, and then the fifth one here. Chicago Bears. Alrighty, so we had three out of the five officially. No Cowboys? How are the Cowboys not? Uh, interesting. Okay. They're kind of giving Dak Prescott the injury year, I guess. And then I guess nobody's keeping track about the Panthers because why would you, right? I guess. All right, but here we go. Bears. If Nagy played for the Cubs or the White Sox, he would step into the batter's box with two strikes. Folks, what did we, we just what did we just say? He would step into the batter's box with two strikes on his quarterback's scorecard following the failures of Trubisky and Nick Foles in the Windy City. Given another chance to fix the Bears quarterback woes with an ultra ultra-talented prospect in his fourth season on the job, Nagy must plot out a course that will enable Fields to develop while the team makes a playoff run. Whether that plan features a wait-and-see approach, we hope not. We got money on that. With the first-round pick standing on the sideline while Dalton serves as a veteran bridge or a staged quarterback competition that enables the youngster to earn the job, Nagy must ace this decision 1 million percent. Yes, exactly that, folks. We cannot put that any better. Nagy must ace this decision if he is to keep the franchise headed in the right direction. Otherwise, he could find himself standing in the unemployment line by the end of the season. Absolutely, folks. We've given this man time and time and time again. He's kind of hailed as a nice kind of decent offensive guru as a head coach, but uh, swing and a miss twice. Three strikes, you're out. You got two strikes. What are we doing? Hit, hit or go home. Hit or strike out. That's your call. So they had the Ravens, the Raiders, the Bears, the Colts, and the, the the Rams, and we had the Rams, the Panthers, the Cowboys, the Bears, and the Raiders. Alrighty, those are all the NFL stories we needed to cover for today. So let's head on to some NBA stories. Uh, first one up, uh, Clippers assistant Chauncey Billups has reached an agreement to be the new head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. Alrighty, I mean, we don't know what Chauncey Billups can do. He was an assistant for one year. For this Clippers team that got to the Western Conference Finals. Solid. No Kawhi Leonard. They probably won't win tonight. Unfortunate. And, uh, you know, now we, we we don't know if this is a good hire or not. We'll see. I, I would take the risk on Chauncey Billups if um, over over Jason Kidd. I would have told you that. I don't know how I compare really Chauncey Billups to the other candidates out there. Uh, but the one big thing now is what's going to happen with Damian Lillard? Did he like this decision? Did he endorse this decision? This decision? Did he hate this decision and they still went with it anyway? Because we're talking about, you know, Damian Lillard getting shopped this year because he wants out because, you know, it's time to go. So I don't know if um, Damian Lillard would want Chauncey Billups. You would want this man as your head coach because maybe you can kind of, you know, do whatever you want. You're the superstar. Chauncey Billups isn't going to speak up to the superstar. No way. Absolutely not. Of what this man could do. Clutch is hack. Great as hack. Getting it done in the, in the in the big games? That's Dame time, baby. Come on. Chauncey Billups wears a watch, baby. Come on. He knows it's Dame time. So you're never going to kind of, you know, be outspoken to Damian Lillard. So maybe Damian Lillard can kind of get his input a little bit easier and a little bit more frequent on what he wants. Kind of like what LeBron J James did with, who was it, David Blatt? Come on. Um, so we'll see if uh, Damian Lillard likes the decision or not. If he likes it, he'll stay. If he doesn't, 
He'll try to compete for a ring somewhere else. But uh, only time will tell if this Chauncey Billups decision is good. We honestly don't know because he was just an assistant for one year. All right, and then the other story, Kawhi Leonard. No, no go tonight. But what the bigger story is, the bigger story to make out of this, yes, he's not playing, but he's highly unlikely to even travel. Travel to Phoenix. That's what we said, folks. Kawhi Leonard is only here to play ball. The check is nice. The friendship is nice. The teammates are nice. But I'm just playing, I'm just playing basketball. That is it. Don't bother me with anything else. Don't bother me with the media. Don't bother me with team building exercises. I'm here to ball. I don't care about building a friendship. I don't care about building this kind of relationship on the floor. I'm here to play basketball. That is it. That is all I will do. I'm not playing through my injury. I'm, I'm, my health is way more important than the team overall. I don't care. My health is important. Um, and, um, you know, I'm not going to go there if I'm not going to. He's, he's sitting in the stands, folks. He's sitting in the stands, not on the sidelines. If it's just like a little bit of a knee injury, why aren't you there supporting your team? We saw Chris Paul on FaceTime every day. He texted DeAndre Ayton, happy Father's Day, 7 in the morning. Kawhi Leonard, during that Terrence Mann game, during the, um, during the Jazz series, he's, he's on the, in, the back of the, in the back of the locker room. Oh, yeah, good job. Everyone's splashing water on Terrence Mann. Kawhi Leonard sitting down in the back, clapping. The man is strictly about himself in basketball, which I don't, I don't, hey, I don't mind at all. Do that. I probably may do that as well. I think I would be a little bit more or uh, team orientated than Kawhi Leonard. But yeah, I'm taking my health. I'm not going to be all over the media, and I love how Kawhi does it. But the team aspect, I'm not the biggest supporter of that. Always got to be with the team, folks. Always got to, you know, encourage your team. We're about winning here. Let's get it done. This is a team game. So I don't love that Kawhi Leonard's not even going to travel because the elevation involved with, with flying to Phoenix, quote, wouldn't be good for his knee. Come on. Come on. Really? The, the, the elevation? That's your excuse. It's not good for the knee. Okay. Whatever excuse you want to use. But this is why I'm not the biggest Kawhi supporter out here. Yeah, he's good on the floor. Don't get me wrong. But he's not about the team. He's not about the game. He's about just basketball. So, that's where we're at with Kawhi Leonard. Not even coming to the game tonight. And this is what we're talking about. The difference here is CP3's impact on DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton says, quote, I love Chris Paul, man. That's really the only teammate that really pushed me. Kawhi Leonard's not pushing anybody. He's not pushing anybody. Like big bro type push. I think he was the best thing that happened to my career. Who's saying that about Kawhi Leonard? Paul George is saying that. No way. Nobody in the, in the Raptors, the Spurs, or the Clippers are like, Kawhi Leonard is the best thing that ever happened to me. He's not pushing. He's not leading. He's not cheering. He's nothing. He's on the floor. Stoic. Ha ha. Ha ha. What'd it do, baby? That's it. Soundbite here. Soundbite there. One a year. So the difference between leadership, folks, you got to get it. You got to get leadership. Absolutely. hundred percent. Um, alrighty. And then we get this clip. This was before the game yesterday. Um, just, uh, Giannis in the, in the, in the gym practicing on his free throws. And I love his attitude here, folks. 
He's, you know, everybody, you know, oh my god, you got dunked on. Oh my god, you're trash. You got dunked on. You should be embarrassed. Oh, you missed a free throw. You airballed it. You should be embarrassed. Twitter going crazy. This man's trash. He's a bum. He's never great. He's the worst of all time. LOL. LMAO. In, in a playoff game? Airballing. But Giannis just laughs it off. Like, you have to do. You're going to get dunked on. You're going to get exposed. You're going to get your ankles broken. Chris Paul had his ankles broken by Steph Curry. What is Chris Paul doing now? Leading the Thunder to almost a championship team. In the bubble. Leading the Suns team to most likely the finals. It doesn't matter. Okay, you burned them once. Congrats. It happens. So Giannis in the gym working on his free throw saying, hey, I've seen it all, baby. I've airballed shots game seven. I've airballed back-to-back -back free throws in Oklahoma. I've been down here. Only way is up, baby. Only way is up. I've been bad. What am I going to do? I've missed eight free throws in a row. I can't hit the three. I've been dunked on. I've been crossed over. I've been all over the place. But what am I going to do? Going to give in to the people on Twitter that are dunking on me? They're posting the highlights of me getting dunked on? No. I'm going to get it going. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get it done. I'm not going to stop because I, was getting, I got dunked on because I missed my free throws. I'm going to get better, baby. Only ways up. And I fucking love that by this man. And they won last night. So I give them so much credit. Giannis getting it done, man. Not everything is just, oh my God, not everything is world changing. Not everything is world ending. You got dunked on. You missed a free throw. Okay. It's funny in the moment. Yes. To outside observers, it's funny in the moment. But we're talking about more than one moment, folks. I mean, the, the, the world is not revolving around, you know, Twitter clips, unfortunately. So love the, love the attitude by Giannis there. It's fantastic. Um, you know, only ways up. And that is truly that. All right, we are running a little late in the show, so let's go over to these cards. I do want to open these packs very quickly, and then we'll preview tonight's game. We'll briefly break down what happened last night. I don't think we're going to be able to get to that Saturday game against the Clippers. Nobody could hit a shot in the fourth quarter. That's all y'all need to know. Nobody could hit a shot in that fourth quarter for the Suns-Clippers um, Suns game four in L.A. Unfortunate. Um, Chris Paul and company was able to score like one more point, <laughs> two more points, one more shot than the Clippers were. So that's how the game ended. Trash. Also, Cameron Payne got a, got more minutes, which I loved. Uh, but here we go. These Panini Prism packs, folks. So they just released their, their, these are their kind of inaugural NFT blockchain cards. Obviously all online. These are not physical copies, NFTs, blockchains. Um, but uh, they just started two weeks ago with like a red prism base pack and a green prism base pack that were super limited. These are the first ones, the uh, the black prisms. These are their base cards. Very hard to get. They're sold out in 15 minutes, and I think they're going to be back on sale next week. But uh, I mean, no, we got the first we got the first cut out here. So we we got 10 packs here. We're only going to open two. We're going to save these other these other eight. For a potential resell, maybe we'll open up a little, a little bit later. But let's see what we get out here. Looking for some good cards. Obviously, LeBron, Seth Curry, even Trey Young. Give me a Trey Young card. Um, all numbered 1 through 1,800, I believe. So hopefully a lower number card. And let's see what we get here. So let's open this first pack. Haven't opened any of these. So I don't know how it works. Doesn't know, Don't know how it works or looks. But we'll see what we get. Here we go. 2020-2021 Panini NFT Blockchain Prism NBA Base Packs. Here we go. Whew. Let's see what we get. Here we go. All right. Opening. Nice little green around it. Can I flip these individually? Ooh. ooh. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Three cards in a pack. Here we go. First card up. 
Thomas Bryant. Okay. What is this numbered? Uh, 557. Not that great. All right. Not a good player. Not a good number. Unfortunate. Here we go. Card number two. Who's up next? Jimmy Butler. Okay. I'll take a Jimmy Butler card. Give me this. Numbered what? Ugh, 1451 out of 1799. Not the greatest there. But I'll take a Jimmy Butler card. Not bad. And then our third card up in the pack. Tyrell Terry. Damn it. Alrighty. Bad number two. 1498 out of 1799. Alrighty. So pack one. A little bit of a bust there. A little bit of a bust. Let's go to uh, the... We'll open up another pack. First pack. Not the greatest. Those are our first three cards ever in our collection. All right, here we go. Where's our next unopened packs at? All right, here we go. Pack number two. Looking for, obviously, way better than that. Ooh, that had a... Ooh, y'all saw that? It was like a blue shine. That mean we got a good pack? Okay, let's see. Here we go. First card. Tony Snell. Okay, okay. 751 out of 1799. Card number two. L. Horford. L. Horford, 89. 89 out of 1799. That's not bad. It's a good number. I'm the best player. All right, card number three. Come on, baby. Something gray here. Here we go. Tyler Bay. Uh, uh, 474 out of 1799. Alrighty, so those two packs. We're gonna open one more. I, I've got. I, I gotta open one more. We gotta get one good card out here, folks. I need a good name. Can't just give me Al Horford. So let's go to. Let's see. I'll open one more pack here. One more. And that's it. I'm saving the rest. Here we go. One more pack. We get the blue shine again. Let's see. Did we miss it the first time? What do we got here? Open up the pack. I had the blue shine too. Same thing. Okay. Here we go. First card up in the third pack. Darius Baisley. All right. Not terrible. Not a great number. 11-11 out of 17.99. Card number two. Kiara Lewis Jr. Mm, okay. For the Pelicans. 434 out of 17.99. Can we please get a good player? Please. I'm begging. Here we go. Last card. LaMelo Ball, that's what we're talking about, baby. Not the best number, 1437 out of 1799. But, hey, it's a finally a good player. I'll take it. All righty, we'll leave it at that. So, three packs open, nine cards. LaMelo Ball is probably our best card there. So, that's what we have. We'll see what we do with the rest of the packs. See if we can get some more packs at a later, later date and all that good stuff. And we, we, we will be back on that. Alrighty, let's quickly review what happened last night in the uh, Hawks-Bucks game. Well, uh, uh, Trey Young stepped on the rest foot and tweaked his ankle. That was the game over at that point. Nobody can run the offense. Nobody can run the offense on this Hawks team, folks, besides Trey Young. Lou Williams is not that great to run this offense, and then nobody else can really fill in at that point guard spot. So the Hawks struggled to score in the fourth quarter, unfortunately. We see that Chris Middleton by himself outscored the entire Bucks team 20-17 to by himself. Um, and Chris Middleton finally has a good game, and I'm hearing everybody calling this man great, and uh, Kendrick Perkins calling this man Batman, and then Giannis is Robin. Can we relax 1,000% on that? Yeah, he finally had a good game, a great game. 
Giannis was consistently putting up 30 points a night every single game in every single playoff series. Chris Middleton finally put up 38 points on 6 of 12 from 3 and 57% on 26 shots. Finally being good out here. So let's truly relax on um, you know Chris Middleton being Batman for this, uh, for this Bucks team. Uh, so truly unfortunate, Trey Young tweaked his ankle and just was never right after that. Couldn't facilitate the floor, couldn't really go hard on that ankle. So the Hawks floundered in the fourth quarter. Bogdanovich still is shooting poorly out here. The knee is truly bothering him. Eight points on 18% shooting on 16 shots. So that's really their downfall there. Trey Young is on... Um, Injured in the fourth quarter, and Bogdanovich is still not hitting shots. And then, like we said, just Chris Middleton truly got it done. Um, Pat, Con- Pat Connaughton playing 32 minutes is exactly what we wanted to see. He only put up five points, but he had eight rebounds, and he was a twenty, a plus 25 on the floor, the best by a mile for the team um, on 32 minutes. So truly great there. He's a great defender out there. I would really like to see him in the starting lineup. But Chris Middleton goes 38 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, Drew Holiday had an abysmal game, 6 points. He did have 12 rebounds, which is great, but 18% shooting on 11 shots, 0 of 3 from the 3. Giannis still got his, 33 points, 11 rebounds. And then P.J. Tucker, once again, I, I don't want this man in the starting lineup, folks. Only a plus 1? A plus 1? How much they win by? 11? And he's a plus 1 on the floor? Only taking 3 shots like he does? So, you know, I would like to have Pat Connaughton in the starting lineup. And that's really it. Move um, move Chris Middleton to the three. Take P.J. Tucker out and move Pat Connaughton to the two. Have P.J. Tucker come off the bench. But, uh, hey, without, you know, the Bucks were able to get it done. Chris Middleton hit some. He hit, like, three, four straight threes, folks, in the, in the fourth quarter. Fantastic. Once, once Trey Young got injured. So, Bucks take game number three, now up 2-1. And uh, I'm going to have to sleep on this one. And we'll talk about this game, uh, game four, come tomorrow when we do our moneymaker. But uh, are we off the Hawks? If uh, if Trey Young's injured, then yes, but we'll see how he's looking and how what uh, what they're saying about him come tomorrow. But uh, we got playoff basketball on today, folks. Clippers Suns game four, game five potential closeout here. So Clippers plus five and a half, Suns minus five and a half. Alrighty, let's see who's all in and out. It's in Phoenix here. Here we go. Everybody is good to go for the Clippers and for the Suns. Abdel Nader's a game time decision. So. Basically how this game's already been playing out, folks. I'm taking the Suns minus five and a half here. This is a closeout game. Chris Paul's definitely going to seize the moment. I love that um, Cameron Payne played a lot more minutes in game four than he did in game three. I mean, you play the man four minutes in game three after all he's done for you? Kind of disrespectful. So he plays more minutes in game number four. Now, he didn't have the best scoring output there. I think he still only put up five points. But just his presence out there, he can be dangerous. You do have to guard it. So I love that, you know, gave gave Cameron, Cameron Payne more time in game number four. I think that was great. And then for the Clippers, man, it's just I can't rely on anybody to be clutch. That's it. Clippers, Suns couldn't make a basket in the fourth quarter, but the Suns were still able to win. And the Clippers, Paul George, yes, he puts up decent stat lines, but it's never efficient. It's never kind of big-time shots. Missing the two free throws in game two. Not being somebody, anybody could have scored in game number four here in the fourth quarter, and they would have been the hero of the game. But Paul George never steps up to that moment. He's never about that inefficient shooting decent stat line because there's nobody else to score the ball here so of course he's going to get his when he's putting up you know 25 30 shots he's shooting like 30 percent so i'm taking the suns here back at home closeout game Kawhi leonard's not even flying he's throwing in the towel for the season and then who's going to step up here for the clippers folks 
They couldn't step up game four in the fourth quarter. Now you're going to step up on the road in a do or die. You have to rattle off three straight wins now. I'm not buying it. Chris Paul finally getting to the conference finals, finally getting one game away from going to the finals. He's going to seize the hell out of this moment. And we've never seen Devin Booker go for crazy in the series. I think he maxed. I don't even know. Does Devin Booker have a 20-point night here? I think in game number two, he put up like 18 in the third quarter. That was his best game. Doesn't have that kind of like 30-point berserker start-to-finish game yet. Could possibly come here. I'm taking the Suns minus 5.5 tonight. Alrighty, that is going to do it for us today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are going to be back tomorrow doing it all over again. Um, live noon Eastern like we do. Stories. We'll watch um, Aaron Rodgers flounder in the championship game. And uh, we'll watch all that good stuff. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And we are back tomorrow live noon Eastern. Go make some money on that uh, Suns minus five and a half tonight, folks.